What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Crazy Face Uno podcast, where everyone has a story and everyone's story matters. What's your story? If you'd like to support the show and help us tell more stories like the one you're about to hear, please visit crazyfaceuno.com today to purchase items for our online store or donate. And as always, I'm your host, Shane McNeely, and boy, are you in for a treat today. It is my honor and privilege to introduce my guest today. She hails from the county, Sullivan County, Indiana, Elisa Arnett. Welcome, Elisa. Hi, Shane. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. How are you today? I'm doing fabulous on this rainy Saturday. No, it's rainy here too. It is. Uh, it was like it? it was raining buckets over here earlier. So, I unfortunately I was you know hoping it looks like the weekend for myself is going to be uh, you know it's a Saturday and uh, for for those of you listening on the Monday because we'll be posting this on Monday. Um, yeah, it's a Saturday and I was hoping that the weekend would be sunny and nice and be able to get out and about, but might be one of those weekends. Yeah, I think it's going to look like that way here as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am excited to have you on. We, uh, what was it, probably a couple months ago, we, we talked to your husband, Kevin Arnett, and, um, yes. you know, him and I have been keeping in touch and, and chatting a lot, and, um, you know, we've been, I had some ideas and thoughts of how I wanted to, you know, maybe use your story to kind of, uh, tell a more in-depth story about mental health. Um, you've had some experiences throughout your life, um, with your, with your family, um, in that aspect. And, and so been kind of holding off on having you on, but decided that, you know, no time like the present. So welcome. I'm excited to kind of dig into your story a little bit. Why don't you start off and tell us what you're up to today? Um, Tell us what you do for for work and kind of what the things you're interested in. Okay. Um, right now, I'm married to the love of my life, Kevin. Like I said, you talked to him earlier. Whoop, whoop. Um, I have three amazing daughters. Three they are daughters. by far like the cutest kids ever, but I'm biased. <laughs> um, <laughs> They're very yeah, cute. Yeah, they are ages three, four, and six. And then I also have a stepdaughter who's 12, but next week she'll be 13. Nice. So we'll have a teenager in the house. Wow, and that's crazy. My poor husband, he's so outnumbered, but you know, lots of boys <laughs> off there. So like, you know what, don't you just want a boy? And I say, you know, I, I'm good with all girls. Yeah. Like, they do very well together. They <laughs> are so loving and they just play so well together and I feel like if we had a boy that would just throw like a wrench and everything but <laughs> we're good with all girls yeah like, we're, we're yeah. good no more no more kids we're good with the four girls we have exactly um, and I know you guys just yeah. uh you guys just chaperoned the middle school dance how was that yeah we did um so it was Kevin and I and our six-year-old conned us into going with us nice and so yeah, so she she enjoyed the dance. Um, she was bebopping around, kind of trying to dance to the music. Um, <laughs> I think she danced more than what my stepdaughter did because I kind of creeped on her some. But <laughs> oh, um, awesome. it, it went well. There was a very not, not much 
drama going on, just some well, little that, girl drama. That's no but fun. Kevin, he he, uh, he tried to creep on him as <laughs> they're doing her little girl drama. Just hey, just be nosy. You gotta you gotta you know you gotta do your parently duties. Your your mom and dad duties. Yeah. So. Making making things awkward and making things uh, fun, you know. So yeah, we try not to make it too awkward for her. <laughs> we try not to, you know, be those mean parents. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's hilarious. And what are you doing for work these days? I know you you and Kevin have a couple different things, you know, that you you've been doing, and um, as well as Pink Lion Financial. Is that? Yeah. Um, so we just created a business called Pink Line Financial, and we have gone to the federal prison that's close by us, and we taught inmate financial literacy. And yeah. that was quite an experience because I'd never been inside the prison. Sure. Um, my husband used to work at the federal prison, so he obviously has more knowledge than what I do. Yeah. <laughs> but I believe there was 21 inmates in the class. And wow. they they did an amazing job. They asked very intelligent questions. And, you know, we had, I think, one person that might have slept off and on. But other <laughs> than that, we we had, like, their captive attention. And they, they were just great. They were hands and feet above what I thought that they were going to do. Yeah. And so they, they definitely blew me out of the water on their participation. Yeah, what an experience. Yeah, that was definitely, definitely an experience going into the federal prison. And I could tell the story, but uh, during lunchtime, you know, the inmates, they go to lunch and then, you know, we have our lunch break and yeah. I kissed my husband and I said, I bet you thought you'd never kiss your wife in federal prison. He goes, well, I never thought I'd kiss anybody in prison. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, fair. Well, yes, that's probably true. <laughs> oh, that's so oh, funny. <laughs> Uh, but it was quite an experience, and we're hoping to go back here soon, and we would love to. We just feel like it, this is something that um, everybody needs, not just inmates, but yeah. everybody knows how needs to know how to handle their finances, uh, but especially inmates because they have added challenges that the average population doesn't. Yeah, and yeah, so, for sure. And our curriculum is geared directly to inmates and what challenges that they face upon release. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember talking yeah. with Kevin and him, you know, kind of mentioning how there just isn't a program like that in the federal, you know, prison system. And so um, the idea is amazing. And, and you're right. It's it's not just an issue that, you know, is uh, an, a prison or inmate like issue. It's it's a it's one that permeates our culture today of just financial literacy in in general and it's not something that we really you really have the opportunity there are programs and and whatnot but you would think for as much uh as our country and our world is money centric it would be something that we'd put a little more focus on in the earlier years of um you know in, in education and and throughout um the life of you know young adults in general Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's like seventy eight percent of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. You know, they. I feel like our society kind of worships money instead of using money as a tool to mm. get farther ahead in life. Yeah, yeah, good point. I like that. Yep, I think you're right. And uh, so you are also in the life insurance business. 
Yeah, that's another area of Pink Lion Financials that okay. I um, help people. I help get them um, life insurance policies, people who have never had life insurance or they've had um, term policies that have expired because yeah. I, I do whole life. Mm-hmm. And my main focus is on people who are, you know, aging and they don't have anything in place or they're on fixed incomes and they just think that they can't afford it. Yeah. And then whenever they realize how much life insurance would be, they say, that's it? Like, that's all it's going to cost me? They're they're completely shocked at how affordable life insurance is. Yeah. And, well, you know, this is definitely affordable versus if you were to die tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, average funeral is about $10,000 over the U.S. And, you know, does your family have that kind of money to just cover a funeral? Yeah. They say no. You know, most people can't just drop $10,000 on a dime and just say, yep, here's $10,000 for Grandma Betty's funeral. Right, right. Yeah, and it's expensive. And it's one of those things that I think I've heard Kevin, at least because that's my connection, you know, and talking about how, you know, everybody deserves to be have that uh, that honor and that respect given um right you know, and i feel like a lot of family members if they do pass i feel like family has to quote unquote like do them up cheap yeah <laughs> i've heard that so many times like oh i just want them to do me up cheap you know yeah. they want you know the cheapest possible route it's like but is that this, like fitting of your life you know it's just be done up cheap and you die yeah and for most people they're like no you know i I lived a full life, you know, I want people to remember me, mm-hmm. you know, I want them to remember that, you know, they buried me in like a shoebox <laughs> out in the backyard. Yeah, yeah. But don't do that. You don't want to be burying people in your backyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully not. Hopefully there's a, a better option and if you yeah. uh, aren't sure about those options, they need to come talk to you guys at uh, Pink Line right. Financial and figure out some of the yeah, options. Yeah, you don't want to be themselves. doing anything illegal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Is pink is pink line fun? Is it like the life insurance uh, business that you're in? Is that uh, primarily just for people in Indiana or people around the country? How does that work? Um, so you can be licensed in whatever state you want to be, uh, other than like your home. Sure. Um, state. Um, my home state is Indiana, so my primary license is okay. Indiana. Yeah. Um, but I can get licenses in other states. Mm-hmm. I just haven't yet i'm yeah. newly licensed yeah um and, and there's a fee you know illinois is right across the river from yeah. us but it's like 240 dollars yeah. to get that license so yeah. i just so haven't it, made it around to getting that license and sure. it, you know some states cost some states don't some like different states have different laws and regulations yeah so right now indiana is my primary state yeah which makes sense i mean starting out and and, uh, you know, this newer business that you've got and, um, you know, until you, until you need it in a lot of ways, what's the, what's the rush, right? Right. Cool. What else, what else is going on in your life today? Uh, what else should we know about you? Well, um, I feel like I have like so many adventures going on right now. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I don't know which way I'm going. Um, but I also am a test administrator for the ASVAB testing Oh, cool. uh, which is like the test that you take um, if you would like to enter the armed forces. Yeah. Um, they take that test. You have to get a minimum of 31 to be able to join uh, the military. And so Indiana right now, they're doing away with ISEP. 
they're in the process of that. And mm-hmm. so one of the testing alternatives that they can take to graduate high school is taking the ASVAB test. Uh. And so I go into local high schools and I test their students on the ASVAB. Cool, cool. How did you how did you get involved with that? Was that just something you kind of fell into? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, my uh, Kevin was on USA Jobs, um, which for people that don't know, USAJobs.gov is for federal employment opportunities. Um, some opportunities are open to regular civilians. Some are open to already employed government employees. Yeah. Um, and this one was open to the public, so he happened to see this for the Wabash Valley area. Oh, perfect. And so he said, hey, would you would you think about doing this? And I thought about it for a little bit. It's like, yeah, you know what? That's an extra income. And yeah. Kevin and I like to have, like, several streams of revenue coming in. Absolutely. To, you know, we want to be financially secure whenever we're ready for retirement. Yeah. And we want to travel and do all these things. And we have goals. And in order to do that, we have to have money saved up. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. That's really cool. That's a cool, uh, cool little gig. Yeah, and uh, as of November the fourth, I will be a grad student. Ooh. I'm going to get my uh, yeah my master's degree in uh, criminal justice. Uh, my undergrad is in psychology, so they they go very well together. Yeah, so I'm getting ready to start that endeavor. <laughs> nice. That's exciting. That's exciting. Uh, what do you, what are your hopes to, to do with that specifically? Um, well, maybe be a probation officer or an investigator for the state. Uh, we have a state prison that's close by and I'd like to, yeah. you know, possibly work for them or possibly work for the state or local county probation office. That's my end goal with that. Cool. That's awesome. Grad degree. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a, how long is that a two year degree or the master's is, program? Is or? it? It's a two-year degree, yeah. Um, I could expedite it if I took more than one class at a time. But if you sure. take one class at a time, it's two years. Nice. But that's nice. I mean, it still gives you that flexibility to kind of do what you're doing, take care of your family, and, um, you know, still still further your education and provide an opportunity for the future. Right. And Kevin, he has his master's degree. And once I get my master's degree, our girls will be more inclined to get master's degrees as well or possibly go on to get their doctorate, which I would love for one or all of my girls to have their doctorate. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. It's so true too. I mean, we are, we're products of in so many ways of like the example that we've seen, you know, growing up and, um, it's not that it's the, the like only option or the rule. Right. Uh, But it's, uh, it's definitely something that, when you see someone that's exceeding um, or succeeding, that's uh, successful in whatever they're doing or, you know, that's shooting for their dreams and going after it and, and crushing it in life, I think that it, it gives, um, especially like your children and, and people that, you know, look up to you, it gives them an example of what's possible. Exactly. And knowing that, you know, hey, if she can do it, I can do it. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, you know, I'm going to be, Kevin and I are both going to be cheering our girls on and saying, you know, you got this, you can do this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like we're going to push them to get their bachelor's. I don't care what they get their bachelor's degree in. But 
I definitely want them to also then get their master's as yeah. well. I don't want them to stop learning. I don't want them to stop and just be like, well, I've got my bachelor's. That's good enough. Yeah, yeah, Like, for I sure. want them to go further than that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. Alisa, as, as we, uh, you know, we've kind of got a little snapshot of your life now. If we're to go back and we, and we were to look at your childhood, um, what was your childhood like? <sighs> so, um, I lived out in the rural country. Um, we had farmland, we had woods. Um, it was me and my brother who, who's a, not quite three years older than me. Yeah. And I mean, we didn't have cable. Yeah. We had uh, three channels mm-hmm. <laughs> on our TV. Yeah. And cartoons only came on on Saturday mornings. <laughs> so, <laughs> have fun. You know, we would go outside and play and yeah. do kid stuff. You know, we'd go out in the morning, come back in for lunch, and yeah. go back out until dinner was ready. Uh-huh. Um, we just. Me and my brother, growing up, we were each other's best friends because we only had each other. We didn't have, like, neighborhood kids that we could go play with because, you know, yeah. our neighbors might be, you know, a mile or so down the road and right. there were no other kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but um, my dad, he worked uh, mainly, like, factory-type jobs. Whenever I was younger, he worked at a, like, a sporting goods store and sold guns legally. <laughs> yeah. And, my, my mom was a stay-at-home mom until I was in first grade. And then she went to work uh, seasonally as a tax preparer. Okay. And she did that for, I want to say, 10 to 12 years. Yeah. That's quite a that's quite a time, a length of time. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I feel like it worked very well for us because, you know, she only worked, what was it, January to April. Sure. So the rest of the time, you know, she was with us. The summer months. and Yeah, the summer months. You know, she didn't have to worry about babysitters. Um, my brother, he had a lot of health problems. So it was hard finding somebody that was willing to babysit him mm-hmm. because, the, you know, he had a really bad asthma. And so, you know, if he had an asthma attack, people would freak out and <laughs> didn't yeah. know what to do. Yeah. Is um so your your mom doing you know tax consulting? Is that maybe was that something that kind of uh, sparked the interest in some ways of you know some of the financial stuff, or do you feel like there's a connection there between that? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's, that's no. Fair. No. It hurts mainly just preparing taxes. Yeah. And that's mainly what it was was just preparing taxes sure. for people. Um, it wasn't anything of like uh, like the financial literacy aspect. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, were there any like things in your childhood? Like, what were your interests? Did, did you have like you said you you know you and your brother you'd play outside? Like, what did you guys do? Like, were you athletic? Were you into music, um, nature, movies? You know, cartoons obviously were only on Saturdays, so um, <laughs> probably not much to do with TV. I'm I'm guessing, but. Um, you know, what were your interests? Um, you know, I feel like nature and just being outside was one of my interests. Um, I loved animals. Um, we always had, like, dogs and cats. And yeah. I liked playing with them. And I was actually talking with my mom the other day. We had, it seems like everybody always dropped off animals if they didn't want them out in the country. And they always seemed to, like, find our place. <laughs> probably because we fed them. <laughs> and yeah. so they just stuck around. Yeah. But so we'd have, like, these 
feral cats that would come around and they weren't spayed or neutered so they would yeah. have four feral cats yeah and so like whenever like they'd have kittens my mom would be like okay lisa like this is your job to try to tame those kittens so we can like get them new homes like get them out of here yeah. and so like that was my job as a kid that i have to go out there and find wherever they stash their kittens at and get them used to human contact and and then we try to find homes for them and mm-hmm. um so i i enjoy doing that um i love going out in our woods um every spring we would go mushroom hunting and i love mushroom hunting um I didn't so much like eating them, but I just liked hunting them. Yeah, which it's funny. You know, there's not a lot of places. Indiana is like, I feel like everybody in Sullivan, like growing up, that was the same thing. Illinois, Indiana. So I lived in Illinois for a little while. I lived, I grew up in Indiana, but mushroom hunting was always like this big thing. It was like the thing you did. And you oh, know, yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of people that I know that do it in Minnesota as well, but it's just not quite as like popular of a thing to do and maybe it has to do with the small town like you know I, I don't know if like the smaller towns in Minnesota if it was a more popular thing to do but um yeah I, I like have really fun memories you know growing up as a child like doing that with my family and doing that with my mom and my dad we go to you know some of these different parks and just kind of go off the path and, and look for mushrooms and um yeah even like in Sullivan like in middle school high school like still doing the same thing like going and finding little patches or you know whatever it was just a fun thing so for people that aren't familiar with that I guess is what I'm getting at is um mushroom hunting it's there's no real hunting other than the fact that you're trying to it's like a seek and find game you know like you're looking for yeah uh, you're looking down at the ground yeah trying to find these mushrooms growing yeah you're <laughs> and looking as for a it. child like I I had a love-hate relationship with it because I'm terrified of snakes oh. and if i found a snake whenever i was mushroom hunting like i was screaming and i was running the opposite direction <laughs> like i'm done i'm out <laughs> did not like finding those yeah and like that was like i remember like you know my pants legs putting like having like socks that would go up high and putting socks <laughs> over the pants legs because i was scared like one of them was going to crawl up my pants legs. Uh, that would be terrible that would be terrible oh my goodness i, I probably would have peed my pants that's so funny. Yeah, and so the mushrooms yeah. are morel mushrooms. So they're like a spongy-looking top. Um, and they're you said you didn't like them or you didn't really eat them, but they're delicious. If you fry them up in butter and, uh, you know, with breaded or non-breaded, they're, they're delicious. Yeah, I, we would always bread them. And as an adult, I like them now. <coughs> um, as a kid, I kind of tolerated them. Sure. And I felt like I kind of had to eat them because, yeah. like, you hunted them. You yeah, you did all this work to get them. Yeah. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. Um, yeah I had some. My my wife and I, we went to, I think it was for her birthday. Uh, we went to this, like, restaurant that had, that was, like, their seasonal, like, special thing was morel mushrooms. And they gave you these, like, two little morel mm. mushrooms and whatever, seasoned and you know, they charge an arm and a leg for these two little tiny morel mushrooms. You're like, man, I grew up eating like platefuls of these. Like, <laughs> wow, yeah, you'd crazy. have like platefuls, and you'd have like these. Like, we always took Walmart bags. Yep. You know, to go hunt them, yep. and you know, you come back bags full, and like yeah. everybody got their own bag because you might need another bag. Like, okay, this one's full. I need another bag. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and I was completely like blown out of the water by how much people charge for morels yeah oh my gosh. people charge like 30 dollars a pound I could have been making a ton of money as a kid i know right 
Yeah, just selling them dehydrated one. You know, like the, you'll see those now, like dehydrated morels, and then you can rehydrate them, and supposedly they taste just the same. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. There's definitely a a business there for people that are are uh, selling morel mushrooms. They're ridiculously expensive. Yeah, I know. I wish I would have known about it as a kid. I was like, man, I could have made so much money. <laughs> yeah, something I did in Sullivan um, as a kid. This is a, a story about me just thinking about like making money. But I would go down, you know, in the cemetery. So I lived on Section Street there. Um, by uh-huh. it was the that little car lot across from Angels Foods. Um, yeah, is where yeah. I lived. And so I would go, I'd ride my bike all the way down to the creek in, in the cemetery there. And there was a couple spots and I had minnow traps and like crawfish traps and I'd trap like the minnows mm-hmm. and crawfish and I'd take them to that bait shop over, oh, uh, towards the Lake Sullivan there. And I would go in there and he'd give me like three or $4, you know, or $5 or, you know, depending on how much I had, like how much I had caught, but he'd give me money for them and he'd sell them for bait. And so it was like a little fun little gig I would uh, I would do when I was younger. Your little entrepreneur adventure as a I know, kid. <laughs> I know. I was always trying to like figure out the the, you know, sneaky ways or whatever the the fun little adventures of making a little extra money, so um when you were a kid, when when you were a child and, and as you, you know, uh, got older, what kind of were there anything that you would say that you wanted to be when you grew up, you know, like the classic, like, I want to be a whatever. <laughs> um, so I wanted to be a truck driver. Okay. <laughs> as weird as that is. Yeah. What was um, your, what do you think that was about? Uh, because I wanted to travel. That's oh. why. So my dad, he had a CB. Uh, like, I, I don't really know exactly what they're technically called. Yeah. Like the little but, radios. Like, he hang. would talk. Yeah. Like he talked to like truckers that were, mm-hmm traveling on the highway which we lived a couple miles off the highway and he he would get on his cb every so often and talk to truckers and you know they'd say where they were from and i'd be you know as a kid creeping in the background listening to these conversations yeah and i was like man that's so awesome that you know you're talking to somebody who's in a different state right now or yeah you know, if it was clear weather you'd have you know better signal range but sure i just thought that was so cool i'm like man these people are traveling all over i want to be a truck driver yeah and i think it was just like the traveling aspect that i liked yeah just seeing the united states because as a kid we never went anywhere like yeah. our family vacations were going to holiday world which <laughs> for a lot of people they're like what the heck is holiday world yeah it's it's actually in a in a city called santa claus or a town called santa claus indiana which is even funnier oh yeah yeah people were like what you have a town named santa claus in That's indiana right. i was like oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and there's an amusement park <laughs> called yeah. holiday world yeah and it's a and fun like little it's a fun area, little amusement yeah, park and each area has a different holiday thing you know you've got yep. your fourth of july your thanksgiving christmas yep all these different holidays halloween, halloween. yeah and then the yeah. water park was always really fun too Oh, I love the water park. And yeah, didn't they have? Pro- wasn't, probably one of my favorite parks. Wasn't the was wooden that? roller coaster? Wasn't that like the like the oldest or like up there? It's like it's known for something being one of the first or something wooden roller the, coasters or uh, either the Raven or the Legend. Because whenever legend, I was a kid, like I think. there was only the Raven. Raven. Like there was no maybe there it's was the Raven no legend. legend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the Raven so, like, was I the one. 
yeah, I remember like, oh my gosh, I'm finally like tall enough to ride the Raven, and it was the best <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I'm I'm short as an adult, and I was short as a child as well. Yeah, and man, like just being old or tall enough to ride the ride, man, that was a big accomplishment as a kid. Yeah, I'm finally tall enough. I know, right? Especially for us, like yeah. I don't know, I I guess. So this is a fun little thing too because we we were technically in high school. We like we crossed paths in high school. But I don't really remember you. But I think you were I'm a probably not. <laughs> were you a freshman? What year did you graduate? Oh six. Oh six. Okay. So you were yeah, I was a freshman. Yeah. So I don't I just don't really remember I don't remember a lot of which is funny because like my graduating class was one twenty. Like our school was like less than like 500 you know maybe a, maybe a little bit over that but like around 500 yeah. was like our student body i don't know what it is today is it around the same yeah my yeah so i graduated in 09 and there was like 150 i think 151 in my graduating class okay. and it was like mine was one of the larger ones yeah yeah of course now now you know they've got huge grades that come through there but really? at the time yeah, um, but yeah, I graduated in '09, and we did cross paths. Yeah, and yeah, I was more academically inclined. I yeah. wasn't a partier, like anything like that. Are I you saying I was a partier? Probably would have passed, but no, no, no. <laughs> saying, like I wouldn't have stood out. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I just giving you a hard time. No, I, I mean, I was like, I don't know. I was like, you may have been. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know you. <laughs> yeah, well, it's definitely as far like, as I know. <laughs> the academic side of things was definitely not something I like. Really, I I did enough to get by, and I didn't do bad. You know, like I did okay, but I wasn't the, like a. I wasn't an academic yeah, so- look like student that was like, oh, I want to get the best grades possible. It was more like, what's the best I can do to like get into college and continue to be an athlete and you know whatever I was more athletically uh focused and uh I did I didn't really party a lot um I my I didn't drink until um like going in the summer going into my senior year I think was like the first time I really ever drank and I only went to like a couple of those types of parties and generally I was the one that was would be like hey give me a call if you need me to pick you up you know, like I would go and pick people up from the parties and be like, I'd be the sober driver. Or if I went, I'd, I'd just be the sober guy. Like, you know, like there were so many stories, so many people that would get caught for drinking. And, uh, for me, it was like, my athletics was something that I took a lot of pride in. It was what I excelled in and I didn't want to get in trouble. So I generally tried to stay away from that stuff. Yeah. I, I don't blame you. Yeah. You don't want to jeopardize, you know, your athletics for, you know, some stupid decision that you made. Yeah, it just wasn't worth it. Fun fact, fun fact, I was the ludatorian of my graduating class. Look so at you, that's awesome. Def- yeah, yeah, so academics definitely were a big role. Um, it it did come easy, like, to yeah. me, as compared to, like, say, like, my brother, who had to, like, work for, like, A's, B's, and C's. Like, yeah. A's came very naturally to me, mm-hmm. and I didn't have to work as hard, and yeah. it frustrated him so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would be like, oh, my God, like, you don't even have to do anything, and he's a good grade. <laughs> right, yeah. That's I could see how that would be frustrating, for sure. Was that something, did you remember that always being, like, a thing that you cared about or something you focused on 
good grades, like elementary school, middle school? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, um, so my dad, whenever I was young, like maybe three to five, he went to um, Vincent's University and took like some classes down there. And I remember going with him like one time because my mom couldn't watch me because she had a doctor's appointment. So I went to college with dad. <laughs> and so like it kind of like kind of stuck with me of like, oh, this is college. And my dad was like, you know, hey, you want to go to college, which you're going to go. There's yeah. no ifs, ands, or buts. Like, <laughs> you're going to go to college. And to be able to do that, like, you have to get good grades because mommy and daddy can't afford it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And they're like, you know, if you go, you got to get some academic scholarships. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a focus. Way you're going. So it was a focus yeah. is, is for a while, for when you were younger. Yeah. Um, my, my mom, she didn't go to college. She um, just graduated from high school. And my dad, up until he took those classes at VU, like he just had his high school diploma. And so they stressed on us, like, we want you to do better than what we did, basically. You know, yeah. we, don't, we don't want you to be status quo. We want you to go on. We want you to better yourself. Yeah. And they, they kind of drilled it into me and my brother when we were younger, like, you're going to go. But in order to do it, you got to get good grades. So yeah. get good grades. Yeah. Uh, did you go to Sullivan Middle School? I did not. So Are you a Carlisle I'm girl? Carlisle. Yeah, I see, was, that's what I was I asking. Was, yeah. See, this is another reason yeah, that I, I didn't, like, I don't feel like I would I would have known you, you know, because of Carlisle. Like, so for those of you listening. Yeah, there was a big split. Yeah, Sullivan County. There's It's split up really weird to be, I don't know if it still is, but um, but then Carlisle, you would go to elementary and middle school in Carlisle, Indiana. And then after middle school, you would merge with the uh, the high school and Sullivan High School. And so there was this weird like merger um, in high school whenever you got there. So Yeah, I remember like my first day of freshman year, like I was just like, the school is so big. I don't know anybody. <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah. My mom's like, just, just go to the second day. Like, please just go to the second day. Yeah. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> like, I was like, I was ready to quit and be like, I'm done with school. Yeah. Well, you go like, from. Oh, no, no, no. Like, it gets better. It gets better. Yeah. It did. Like, I make friends. And, like, all my friends I have now, like, I didn't start out as friends with them and freshman year like they went to Sullivan one of them went to Graceville which is another school kind of like Carlisle was right um but they went to Sullivan Middle School okay whereas yeah Graceville yep yeah so were you involved in any like extracurriculars in middle school high school outside of uh um just academics or yeah uh middle school I was on the student council sure um I was on the dance team and volleyball team Nice. When I went to high school, I didn't do any athletics. I was athletic, but I chose not to do athletics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I did, um, I did um, academics. I was in French club, key club, beta club, National Honor Society. I think that's it. That's, that's the ones I remember offhand, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was, uh, did... As you became a little bit older, middle school, early high school, um, 
what was like your life at home? Was it similar? Did you still not have, did you still have the three channels? Did you like spend a lot of time with home? What was your relationship with your, your parents? Um, so definitely still had the three channels. Yep. Um, I loved going to my grandparents because they had cable. Nice. So <laughs> that was great. Um, at home though, like home life, it was very tumultuous. Um, yeah. my mom and dad fought a lot. Um, my dad, he battled depression Yeah. and he also battled like a prescription drug addiction. Okay. And so, um, you know, I'd have to go on basically kind of like, I call them like drug raids to where, yeah. okay, go around the house, find, you know, any medications that shouldn't be here, dispose mm-hmm. of them or any paraphernalia because like one of my dad's main methods was crushing pills and snorting them. Okay. So I'd have to find, you know, spoons with residue on them. Okay. Get rid of that. And yeah. straws, yeah. you know, with residue in them, get rid of yeah. them. And, and this was in like middle um, school, yeah. like 11, 12, school, 13. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, my mom, the job that she worked at the time, because she started a full time job, she was a custodian at the Sullivan Middle School, actually. And oh, she worked night shift. So I would yeah, have met your so mom she, then, for sure. You would have met my mom, yeah, because she I worked, worked there during the time that you were there. Well, and I worked at the middle school. Um, would it, it would have been my like sophomore uh, summer of my sophomore year and the su- summer of my junior year. Okay, I don't think my mom worked there at the time. Though, no, okay. During that time. Yeah, because no. I, I no, she I worked was there like, for like three years. I want to say that was my so summer by job. By the time I got into high school, she was. I think by the time I got into high school, maybe she wasn't there. Okay. I'm not sure now. I could be lying. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, um. No, actually, when you were in junior high, she would have been there. Whenever I got into junior high, I believe, she okay. was transitioning to somewhere else. Okay. But anyways, she she worked night shift, yeah. and so I didn't see her a lot because, I mean, she'd get home 11.30, close to midnight, and she would leave before I got home from school. So I'd only see her on the weekend. Gotcha. And so it was like me... My dad and my brother, there's a house. Yeah. And my dad and my brother are very similar, and me and my mom are very similar. Yeah. And I felt like, have you seen Harry Potter, like the house elf? I haven't, actually. That's how I felt. Oh, my goodness. You need to. I know. But anyway. I'm, I'm missing out. <laughs> you are missing out. But for anybody who has watched Harry Potter, uh, read the books, like, I felt like a house elf. Um, you know. Yeah. I cook. I cleaned laundry, you know, mm-hmm. kept up on the house. Like I was a little housewife in a way. Yeah. Um, at like, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. Yeah. How much and, older, uh, what, how old was your brother? Was he, he was older. Um, right? he's like three years older than me. Okay. So how old I was at three years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, so, and my brother, he, he had a lot of like health issues. Um, when he was a senior in high school, which you guys went to school together. Yeah. I don't know if you remember him or not. What, um, was, his, what had, was his name? His name is Colt. Flynn. Colt. Flynn's my maiden name. Okay. But, so he had um, surgery on his feet. Like, he had several surgeries to, like, try to help him with, like, 
different things were, that were wrong with his legs and his feet yeah. um, because he had issues walking. Um, and at one point he had like both feet and calf and he had to be in a wheelchair. Yeah. I think I, I remember and, him now that you now yeah. said that. I didn't yeah, if, if I say that, most people are like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Um, but so like throughout his high school years, like he'd have like various surgeries and you know, later on they'd realize, oh, well, that one surgery, we probably shouldn't have done that because oh, that geez. did absolutely no good, did more harm than anything. Yeah. Um, well, and then I'm so, sure with your dad's uh, addictions as well, that probably is that, was there abuse there with his medicines? Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. 100%, yes. Um, and then, so they would put my brother on high like pain medication and like, I don't know if you're familiar, but like oxycodone, um, methadone, you know, all those that are, you know, very high strength pain medication. Yeah. And there was abuse of medications, both by my brother and my dad. Yeah. So that was, and that made them, you know, not themselves. Right. Obviously. Right. Well, and these so, are the these yeah. are the medications that are kind of in the news these days. These big pharmaceutical companies that are that are being sued and uh, you know for their uh, role in in some of the you know the opioid kind of crisis and so yeah. And I think my brother was like fourteen when he started to be prescribed these yeah. medications. And it's like who, who in the right mind would prescribe these type of medications to yeah. a fourteen year old? Right. Um, and how can you not, I guess, become addicted at that point? Yeah. You know, if you've been taking them for several years, right? How can you not become addicted? Right. Well, and it's like they're effective, you know, but they're just highly addictive and uh, overprescribed in in a lot of instances, and maybe not appropriately described. Potentially, who knows? You know, right? In your uh, in your family's instance, so. Yeah, um, so I didn't like being at home because I didn't like how I was treated by them, and I didn't sure. like the uh, prescription drug abuse I was going on. Yeah. And so, mainly through my middle school years, I lived with my grandparents, okay. my mom, mom and dad. Okay, so you and and that was when did you? Was that all the way through like middle school, high school, or was it just your middle school years? Just middle school, um, because, like, I would get to school. My grandparents lived a couple blocks away from the Carlisle Uh, school, so, you know, they might drop me off, or I might walk, yeah, Yeah. it was very convenient for me. Um, High school, um, I would ride the bus up to Sullivan, because I didn't have a car. Yeah. For one, I didn't have a license, but then once I did have my license, I didn't have a car. Yeah. So, that was problematic. Yeah. (laughs) But I would ride the bus there. So as you get into high school, how did things change there? What was, you know, you were obviously, you were very focused on your, your education and on academics, uh, finishing where you did in your, in your class. And um, did you get involved in any other extracurriculars there? Is that anything you? Mm. Not necessarily with school, but I mean, I made friends. I mean, I didn't, you know, just have a love of books, and that was my best friend. But <laughs> you know, I had, a, yeah. I had like real people friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. 
um, you know, I would hang out with them. Um, I would sometimes borrow, like, my mom's car um, and go, like, meet friends, um, hang out with them, yeah. do high school stuff together. Yeah. Go to the um, Dairy you know, Queen. Go to the basketball games. Yeah. Go to, you know, football cruise, games. Cruise around the square. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> so many times around the square. Yeah, so... In so many ways, you know, we hear it more in, uh, you know, like in older movies or like older times. But in Sullivan, the cool thing to do, we had a square that surrounded our uh, county courthouse. And that was the thing to do. You'd go up and this is where you'd go and hang out with people and see people. And you'd drive up there and you'd just make laps around. You drive in a circle. Yeah, just. Like for hours. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes you pull into a parking spot, talk to people. Yeah, people jump in your car, you listen to some music, go back to doing the same thing. You'd make another loop, go somewhere else, like come back a little bit later. Well, nobody's up here. We'll we'll come back later. Yeah. Yeah, but like always, like on Friday, Saturdays, like that was the thing to do. Have a hard time even pulling on there because there's so many cars. Yep. And now it's funny. My husband and I drove up there. Not intentionally, but <laughs> we were coming home from somewhere and we had, you know, our nice minivan and our kids in the minivan with us. So we're like, well, let's go on the square. Was it the <laughs> same? Is it, is it still the thing to do? There was like one car, maybe. Oh, geez. <laughs> like, it's, it's not the thing anymore. Yeah. And we felt really old then. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was just a, like, oh my gosh. Maybe it was just back a Sunday. Back in my day, this, yeah, <laughs> yeah, back in my day, right? this place would have been hopping, you know? I know. It was such a silly thing. Yeah. We'd, you'd get in, it's like where you could get in trouble, like, in some ways. You know, it was what you made of it, I guess. But there was different little sections. So, like, each street would have, you know, certain hangouts. Like, people would hang out. There's, like, certain groups of people that would hang out on each little section, you know? And uh, you always knew who would be, like, in what area. Like, oh, is so-and-so up there? Like, go check, you know, whatever, this one side of the street or whatever. And it wasn't always the rule, but there was always, like, specific areas that you could remember, like, groups of people. It was kind of like their hangout. Yeah. Yeah, it was still still like that. But, yeah, apparently in Square is not the place to be anymore. And nostalgia, man, it's taking me back. I know, yeah. Yeah, and even my mom, she's like, oh, yeah, the square was the place to be. My mom graduated in 77. Yeah. So it, it had a long run before it died. It had, had its run. It had its run. Rest it had in peace. Its run. <laughs> um, so I know that, uh, you know, kind of mentioning the relationship with your with your family, your father and, and your brother and your mom, and I know that at some point in time, um, kind of things went um, a negative direction with your dad. Um, was that in high school? Yeah, I was still in high school. Okay. So um, I think it was like the end of my sophomore year. Okay. Like things, I don't even really know how to describe it. It just got different. Mm-hmm. Like things were just not going well at home. Um, there was like fighting constantly. It'd be like me versus my dad, yeah. me and my mom versus my dad, you know, yeah. me versus my brother, my mom versus my brother versus my dad. It, it yeah. was like always like someone was battling somebody else. You know, there was lots of fighting. I remember one time I was in an argument with my dad over 
who knows what. And I remember throwing the remote control at him and like hitting <laughs> him in the head with it. And, and that was not very nice of me. Yeah. But, you know, I, it was just a very bad environment. It, it was. Yeah. And so, um, beginning going into my, uh, junior year, um, I remember I was a Saturday and I was sitting down in the living room and we had a computer desk there and I was on the computer doing homework and we're fighting like the whole, whole family, like all four of us were fighting. I now I don't even know what it was about. Mm-hmm. And I was so frustrated. And I remember telling my dad, I don't care if you die. Like, I don't mm-hmm. care. Like I've got this to do. Like, just leave me alone. Yeah. And my dad, a little bit later, had, like, went outside, and I hear my brother say, Dad's got a shotgun. He's trying to kill himself. He's trying to shoot himself. And so my mom, she goes to the window and, like, yelling at my dad, like, what are you doing? Like, get in the house. Mm-hmm. And my dad takes off through our yard the road that's in front of our house, and he takes off down the road, and we don't see him. So my mom, she calls the sheriff's department because that's who would be, like, the jurisdiction. She calls them, like, you know, my husband, he's got a shotgun, and, you know, we could see him from the window, and it looked like he was trying to, like, rig it up to shoot himself. So they come, you know, they tell us to go down into our basement in case my dad came and would try to shoot through the windows. I don't know. But so we were down in the basement while they were looking around like the neighborhood area for him. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't find him. So they're like, you know, do you have somewhere safe that you can go tonight? And so that night we stayed with my mom's parents. Yeah. And so the next day was Sunday. Um, I had to work at the local grocery store. What was and going so through your mind was, at that point in time? Just like what in the world is going on? <laughs> yeah. Like, really? Like, of all the things to be going on, like, this is what we're putting up with. Like, yeah. And Were you scared at all, just, or was this just a... No, because, like, my dad had threatened to, like, kill himself in the past, and we're yeah. just like, you're not going to do it. Like, stop yeah. it, basically. Yeah. And so it was Sunday, and I was at work, and it was... I was the only cashier there, and there was, like, one other person, because it was a small grocery store, mm-hmm. and there was one other person there, and he was the owner, and my grandma came in the grocery store, and she didn't say a word to me and just went to the back, and then her and the owner comes up front, and they're standing by the front door, and I, I thought, like, that's weird. Like, my grandma hasn't said a word to me. Like, I'm a pretty awesome kid. Like, she should probably at least say hi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And so I got done ringing up, like, the last of the customers that were in there, and the owner locks the door. And once again, I'm like, well, that's weird. Like, why would you just lock us up in here? Like, completely oblivious. Yeah. And my grandma comes over to me, and she's like, Elisa, like, they found your dad. He's dead. Oh, man. And so I just start bawling. Yeah. And, like, I don't even, like, it's kind of like an out-of-body experience. Like, I was against my grandma like on her shoulder crying but yeah it's like like, like going to shock yeah yeah exactly so she takes me from work and 
my aunt and uncle, who's my dad's sister and her husband. Yeah. They met us at my grandma's, and then they took me to my house. And that was it. Like the next day was Monday. I missed school. Yeah. Because um, we were at the funeral home playing his funeral, and he didn't have life insurance. Yeah. Um, so we had no way of paying for his funeral. Um, luckily, my aunt, my my dad's sister, and her husband, they paid for it. And yeah. you know, he was he was cremated, which were like you know. For my family, like, all of us want to be cremated. Like, yeah. to me, like, it feels Same, weird. Like, actually. my body's going to be in the ground, yeah. like, decomposing. Like, to me, that just creeps me out so yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'd rather be cremated. Like, and that's how my whole family is, well, like, just cremated. Yeah. I don't even want to think about it. So, Elisa, we had you know, we had a you know a conversation before this podcast. You know, you both and I had talked, and so I just want to give you know the audience that's listening. I, I want them to understand like this is something you've wanted to talk about, and and that you're you've expressed interest in talking about like the mental health aspect of things, and um, you know, like we we both kind of talked about how a lot of people don't want to or they shut down whenever you say like well my dad killed himself or um you know however that conversation goes but this is something that you feel is important to talk about and so um for those of you listening like this is this is a conversation that we've had beforehand and um you know this is the first time me hearing this story but um i just want to give people a little bit of a, a context to if i ask maybe more uh direct questions and I'm not trying to be insensitive to you. It's just something that we've talked about. So. Right. Yeah. I, I gave you the green light to go ahead and yeah. ask any questions that you feel like asking. And I may give graphic details that somebody might be like, wow, like that's yeah. called for maybe, but it's like, no, me, I, it's like, this is very factual. This is what happened. Yeah. And it, it did happen. And I feel like, Suicide is a very taboo subject, and it's only taboo because we, as people, make it taboo. Like, there's right. no law that says we cannot talk about suicide. Like, yeah, nope, mixed, cut that out. And you know, I I've had so many people ask me through the years because my dad's been gone twelve years. Yeah. I've had people say, "Oh, you know, I never hear you mention your dad because, like, I'll mention, oh, my mom will blah 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 because my mom's still living." Right. And I'm like, you know, what happened to your dad? I was like, well, my dad died, you know, however long ago. I'm like, oh, how did he die? You know, I feel like they probably expect like, oh, he died in the car Or, yeah. oh, he died from, you know, cancer, something like that. I'm like, he committed suicide. And they just automatically shut down. They're like, I am so sorry. They're like, if I would have known, I wouldn't have asked. I'm like, well, why? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you have asked? Like, you're, you're not hurting me. Like, I'm okay letting you know that. Like, yeah. you're the one that has a problem with it. Yeah. But, I mean, it, cause it is what happened. And I'm not going to lie to somebody and say something else happened. Yeah. You know, because I, I want to bring awareness to suicide and mental health aspects that can lead to suicide. Yeah, definitely. I, I And I just appreciate that. I just wanted people to know and, you know, like, I... I really try to be very respectful of the conversations and, you know, the stories that I, they kind of unfold. And I just want people to know, like, I'm not being insensitive to you. This is just a, this is a, this is a conversation we've had. And, and you've given me, like you said, the green light to, to kind of ask more questions and to talk about this. So, um, 
Yeah, so you that's kind of one of the reasons and you know, your story continues. Um, but this is one of the reasons that you've gotten into selling life insurance. Um, and, and, you know, you explained that in the beginning, but the, this is one of, um, one of the reasons that, uh, you know, you didn't have that as a family, you didn't have life insurance for your father. And, and so, you know, you had to, it was, it was an issue. It was something that you saw a gap in, in the system and a gap in the area. And, um, you wanted to get involved in helping people know that there are options and there are things available, um, out there. I think that's very right. Very cool. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so, it's like I don't know what my family would have done if my aunt hadn't stepped up to yeah. pay for my dad's funeral. Because I mean, and we didn't even have it at the funeral home because we we couldn't have it at the funeral home. We had like a memorial service at um, our church because you know we wouldn't have to pay a funeral home because, yeah. like I said before, doing him up cheap. <laughs> right. Right. How did this uh, affect your family going forward? Oh my goodness. Um, my, my brother took it really hard. Um, him and my dad were very close. Um, they were very similar in personalities. Um, so he, he really took it hard. Um, my brother, he was very, very shy, very socially backwards. Um, he like looking back, like as we know more about like autism, he probably would have been on the autism spectrum. Yeah. Um, like the the doctors that he went to, they said that he, socially he was not that past as a twelve year old. Okay. So, um, so he he was kind of like the polar opposite of me as well as like personality wise, and um, like my dad was these worlds; like they were just very close. Um, my mom, she had a lot of like guilt because she felt like it was her fault. Yeah. Um, did you, did you have any feelings, you know, you had made the comment that, um, that you had made to your dad about not, you know, not caring if he had died and, and how did that affect your mindset and, and your, your mental, you know, health in some ways? It hurt for a long time. Yeah. You know, especially like the past few weeks afterwards. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it hurt so bad. Yeah. You know, and I remember one time here within the past few years, my stepdaughter and my husband were were arguing. She was like being like how I was to my dad. And yeah. I just told her, you know, don't be saying anything. You just never know when something might happen. Like, you know, your dad could, you know, get in a car wreck tomorrow and your last words could be something so hurtful. Yeah. And Obviously, I still get emotional about it, mm-hmm. but, like, I've come to terms with what I said. Yeah. What What was that process um, like? Did you seek out help? Did you Did you have any counseling or, you know, what is what has your process been of kind of taking care of yourself and dealing with this um, as you've gotten older? Um, I should have gotten counseling. But I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I I felt like I had to be strong for my mom, for my brother. Um, my mom, she was just kind of like checked out emotionally, mentally for like the past, probably like the month or so afterwards. Um, 
you know, I remember telling her, like, Mom, have you eaten today? Yeah. No. Well, you need to eat, you know. And so, like, taking care of her, taking care of my brother, making sure bills got paid. Um, yeah. Like, I was just kind of, like, really, like, that first year afterwards, like, I was, like, the adult in the house. Yeah. Which is kind of a theme throughout your childhood and, and adolescence, you know, of kind of growing up and... Uh, it sounds like you, you know, you stepped up big for your family and took a lot, a lot of responsibility throughout those very foundational, fundamental years of, of growth in your mm-hmm. life. And, um, you know, that's, it's, it's something that clearly, you know, it, it, uh, plays a big part into who you are today. Um, yeah. you know, and, and I think we often think like, oh, you know, I think the, the idea would be like, oh, poor thing, like you shouldn't have had to have done that. And, you know, the, the sentiments, right, in, in so many ways, you know, like you shouldn't have yeah, had to have been but, in that situation, but you were, yeah, but, and you it's know, made you who made you are me, today. Like, a stronger person. It yeah. makes me who I am today. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've faced adversity since then, and yeah. I will in the future, you know, yeah. and it's just like, I, I've handled worse. I, I can do this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, as you, you know, you kind of dealt with that over the next year, you said, did things start to get a little bit better? Did did your family start to kind of find its ways to cope? And uh, how did, how did... Um, mm, Yes and no. Yeah. Um, my brother and my mom, you know, they still had difficulties. My mom, she had a lot of guilt, a lot of like, kind of like self-loathing hate towards herself like it was her fault and that if she would have been you know a better wife a better you know if they, she wouldn't fall yeah. with my dad then you know and you know i told her i'm like you know that was dad's decision you know you didn't pull the trigger you know yeah. you, you weren't there i was like that was his choice you know, yeah always got choices but that was his choice and he made it you know yeah and and really, within, it's only been within the past few years that she has really forgiven herself sure. and realized that it's not her fault. Yeah. Um, but my brother, he he still struggled. Um, and then, like, so fast forward to, so my dad died in 2007. Okay. Fast forward to 2015. My brother, he he just was not able to kind of like make it on his own. He, yeah. my mom, she sold um, the property, the house where we had all grown up. Um, by that point, you know, I was living with my husband. We had, you know, my stepdaughter and two children. Yeah. We didn't have my youngest yet, um, but you know, we were living together. Um, and we have a big pole barn back behind our house, and my mom was in the process of converting that to like a, an apartment for her. It's a two yeah. bedroom, one and a half bath. Nice. Um, and my, she told my brother, you, you know, you're 27 years old. You, you've got to you know, live on your own. You know, you've got to make your own life. Yeah. Trying to like push baby bird out of the nest, you know, yeah. like, Hey, you know, take, take flight, you know, you've got yeah. this. Yeah. And he, um, he worked at, a gas station and um so he didn't have a lot of income so he was able to get housing at like the high rise 
out by the 4-H crown. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know, that's like a low-income housing. Sure. Um, it's, I want to say it's like seven stories tall, like this big building. Yeah. And it's he... It's like one of the, uh, the only like, really apartments in Sullivan County, really, is it? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, like apartment so. building type, you know, like you would think of in like a city yeah. or not like, like there are apartments type. as yeah. far as like houses that are apartments or duplexes or whatever. But um, it's one of the, yeah, one of the few for sure. So he was having a lot of um, health problems, um, like physically and a lot of health problems mentally. And he, like my dad, battled depression yeah. so much and one day he, I guess, decided that he couldn't take it anymore. And so he split both wrists and then I guess it wasn't taking or it wasn't acting fast enough to kill him. And so he jumped head first out of a third story window mm. and he died on impact. Mm. Man, Alisa, you've been through a lot. And so, my mom, once again, you know, dealing with death of her son. Yeah. Is that, um, in her dealing with that, you, you had mentioned earlier that it's been in the last few years that she had kind of, you know, started to to deal or realize that it wasn't her fault for, you know, your dad and her husband. Was this part of that? Did she, was she able to find help and, and seek counseling or, or was that something she's just yeah, been dealing yeah. with? Yeah, she, she was able to seek counseling. Um, I definitely encouraged her because it's like, you know, it's your husband, now your son. Yeah. And she really took my brother's death hard. Yeah. Because once again, like the feeling of guilt. Right. And, and, and her urging him to be on his own and, and kind of do his own thing. Right. Too. Yeah. Like, you know, did I push him into this? And, once again, it's like, Mom, you know, he's got his own choice to make. Yeah. And that, this is his choice. Woo. Um, Sorry, I'm getting, like, all emotional here. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you, warned, you, you warned me. and uh, you... I did. I did warn you. I would cry. <laughs> and it's okay. I'm... I'm fighting it back over here. I'm holding it together. There's some pauses. That's why. Um, I know. Like, if you don't hear anything from me for a second, like, give me a moment. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Take your time. And something I'm I'm really interested in knowing about or hearing about was, you know, you, was it salutatorian that you finished? Is that what you said? I was salutatorian, yeah. Yeah. So you finished salutatorian um, when you graduated and so throughout all of this time with your dad, you know, pre your brother, but taking care of your family, taking care of, you know, things around the house and kind of having that bigger role within your, you know, responsibility wise within your family. And you still were able to, you know, finish top of your class, um, towards the top of your class. And, and how, what do you contribute to that? I mean, bottom line it's a mental toughness of some sort um that's allowed you to stay focused and allowed you to continue to push and and to be you know um to be disciplined like you were what do you contribute to that you know like i leaned on god a lot yeah i did i had so many conversations with him Mm -hmm. i don't even know how many (laughs) yeah and just knowing that 
I have to be the one to, you know, help everybody along, basically. Yeah. And, like, school was, like, my my safe place, I guess. Yeah. I, um, like, I, I love to go to school. Like, I could, like, mentally check out, like, all, everything that was going on at home. Like, yeah. kind of leave it at the door. And it was there while I was at school. And just focus on school while I was there. Yeah. And then, like, when I left, I could, you know, pick it back up and carry on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I... I don't know how many times I go to like the cemetery and like cry and just talk to dad and talk to God. Yeah. Whew. But anyway, I think just, you know, I feel like maybe somebody says, you know, how can you turn to God after something like that? Like, how could you not, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, you know, growing up, I uh, like, I always heard that, if you commit suicide, like, you go to hell, like, automatically. It doesn't matter what kind of life you live. If yeah. you commit suicide, then you went to hell. And I, as I was older, I talked to a pastor about that, and he's like, nowhere in the Bible does it mention to where, like, if you commit suicide, you go to hell. He's like, that's basically, like, people's interpretation of whatever. But he's like, it doesn't say that in the Bible. And, and that helped me. Yeah. And... Because, like, you know, my dad, I always remembered him, like, reading the Bible. And I I know that Jesus and God, they were part of his life. Yeah. And he, he believed in Jesus, you know, he believed in God. And, yeah. like, that's the only book I ever remember my dad reading was the Bible. Yeah. And so, it's, I gotta tell you the story. But, anyway, it was probably months after my dad had died, and... I was laying in bed right before bed, and I was just sobbing, and I remember saying, like, God, like, give me a sign. Like, let me know that my dad's okay. Let me know that he's not in hell, because I don't want to believe that my dad's in hell. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to believe that. And so, I fell asleep after a while, and I was dreaming, and my brother, who was still alive at that point, was in my dream, and... My dad, when he was alive, like, he loved scaring people. Like, he'd hide behind doors, and, like, he would, like, call you and be like, oh, hey, come here. And you'd unsuspectingly, like, go into that room, and, like, he'd jump out and scare you. And, like, that was his whole purpose of, like, having you come there was so you, he could scare you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I was in that dream, and my dad jumps out and, like, kind of, like, scares me. Like, and, ah! And, and so crazy like thinking about this dream but I went with my dad like away from the dream and we were in like white nothingness like I can't just bright white nothingness like yeah. no floor no ceiling no walls nothing and like we both knew that he was dead like there was no like words spoken about it but it's like we both knew yeah. that he was dead and I remember asking like what's it like being dead and he just was so happy that just just smiling face like like all the worries of the world were gone yeah and he was just happy and my brother from my dream was saying like alisa come back alisa come back and i went back to my dream and whenever i woke up it was like that was my sign yeah my dad's happy he's okay yeah he's not in hell yeah 
And you got and you felt a, a peace or a, like a a weight off your shoulders from that. So much, so yeah. much so. And I feel like that was really like the beginning of like my healing process. Mm-hmm. Was like that dream, and I feel like that was God's message to me. Was yeah, he's okay. That's awesome. I'm really glad you've, you know, found some peace within that. I mean, it's such a thing. I've lost, you know, two two friends in the last couple of years to suicide myself. And, um, you know, it can, doesn't compare anything to, you know, your story or, you know, losing your brother and your father. But, you know, I didn't have the greatest relationship with uh, one of my friends that had passed away. And I lived with them and I wrote him off. And I, I'm not... I don't feel guilt for that. I don't feel guilt for not being a part of his life. I don't feel guilt for those types of things, but it's still, it still permeates your brain sometimes, you know? Um, you know, there's no, we didn't have the greatest relationship at the end there. And, um, you know, no matter what our relationship was like, it, it ne- you never want something like that to happen to someone, you know, and you never want the worst for someone. And so, it's something that, you know, you, it's a mind, something you wrestle with in your mind. And that's kind of how I relate to, you know, maybe what you're talking about is just this, you're always kind of like wrestling with it. And especially, you know, early on, I think it's just one of those things where you're like, man, like I would have helped you, you know, like I didn't know yeah. you were hurting, you know, like I didn't know this or like, I didn't know you needed, you know, if it, it I would have set everything aside to help you, you know, and, um, it's those moments and it's not, it's not a, for me at least, you know, I know some people have different things. It's, it's not a guilt. It's, I don't feel responsible. I don't, but it's just like, man, I know we didn't have the best relationship, but I would have helped you. You know, I would have been there for you. Um, exactly. it's just yeah, hard like, and it's hard. The questions you is. just never, you just don't understand. It's, I think that's where some of the stigma and some of the, uh, the taboo, you know, ness comes out with suicide and, and uh, people that take their own life is that there's just so many question marks. Even if you know the pain and, and, and have seen some of that pain and the struggle, there's still this question mark of like, why? Like, what was it? Like, you can't comprehend, you can't understand, you can't, there's no way for you to live within their body to understand where they're mentally, where they were physically, where any of that was to, to be able to do that. And, um, there's just always leaves so many question marks. Yeah. Yeah. And my, with my brother, like towards the end of his life, like we weren't close, like we had been. And, you know, I am like, man, like, if I would have known, like, I would have, you know, been there for him more, yeah. you know, invited him over to my house more, you know, like, enveloped him more into my life and my family's life more. And I just didn't know. Yeah. I know. And, what you a- know, you brought up, like, the questions, like, um, my dad, he didn't leave a suicide note. and yeah. But he did leave, like, his will out. Mm. And I was the one that found the will that he'd left out. So, yeah. you know, it made me wonder, like, okay, did he plan this, like, earlier that day? Yeah. Because, or did he come back to the house after everybody had left and left it out? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, 
but my brother did leave a note and because he knew that it was like such a big thing for us of like with my dad of yeah not leaving a note of like this is why and my brother did which i think also helped yeah did that like kind of answer some of those questions yeah yeah what have you, you know, what are the steps or what are the ways that you personally have gone about um, not coping, but, but dealing with, um, you know, this, these two losses in your life and what suggestions or, or what would you, what advice would you give um, people that have lost people, you know, maybe recently or um, even people that that are dealing with, you know, mental health issues in and of themselves? Like what, do you have any, you know, thoughts or or advice or, um, you know, things you would say to them? Yeah, definitely seek counseling. Um, Whether that you've lost someone close to you um, and you're dealing with grief, you know, I I wish I would have done that. I didn't. (laughs) Um, But like after my dad died, I had my best friend who was there and she was, you know, if I need to get out of the house or do whatever, she's like, you know, I'm always here for you and having her support. And whenever my brother died, you know, having my husband's support, he's like, you know, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here for you, mm, you know? Yeah. And he's, he's probably my therapist. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we talk about everything together and, you know, I've, cried on his shoulder who knows how many times you know yeah. talking about this and i feel the same way about my wife you know she's my she's my therapist as well she whether she oh, wants yeah. to be yeah. or not she uh <laughs> she gets to she gets to deal with all of my emotions and all of my craziness so oh yeah well we, we gotta have them there for that absolutely so, yeah um you know definitely having somebody to talk to whether that be you know someone in your life personally or somebody in your life professionally, you know, as a mental health counselor or definitely having somebody to talk to, you know, mull over your emotions with because, I mean, it's a very emotional time, especially right afterwards when those emotions are so raw and in your face and there might be days when you're like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, I just feel like not doing anything, like just sitting on the couch and just like staring at a blank wall. But, um, You know, and I feel like I wish I would have went to, like, a professional mental health counselor and, you know, went there. And it it would have helped me out tremendously. Yeah. um, Rather than dealing with it on my own. Yeah. Have you ever been um, to a counselor since? I did go once. I did go once after my brother passed. Um, But it was, like, several months later, and my husband was like, need to go I'm like I know I need to go and like I was saying that over like a course of several months I finally went <laughs> yeah and but by then like it wasn't as raw you know it wasn't mm-hmm. as you know breaking down but at the same time like I handle my brother's death better than I do my dad yeah and I feel like you know maybe it's because you know, his is the second one where it's like my dad's is the first one. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of like, you know, tell my dad that I didn't care if he died. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I asked God and my dad for forgiveness so many times. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't have that last, 
emotional interaction with my brother. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably why it's not as effective, affecting towards me as like my dad was. Yeah. But yeah, I only went one time to somebody who was a professional. Mm -hmm. But like I said, you know, I talked it over with my husband so much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think those people in your life that, that can support you and, um, you know, the, there's nothing wrong either. I mean, and this is, this is a comment to you as well. You know, I know maybe you're fine. Maybe you're doing, doing well. And, and if that's something I'm talking to my, to the mirror right now, like I'm talking in the mirror because I, I've been saying for a long time that I want to, you know, seek a counselor and just kind of, you know, just to talk to somebody, um, just about life and whatever. And I haven't done that. And, it just, it seems like such a thing, you know, and, uh, there's a comfort level with the people, you know, that are close. And I highly encourage anyone, you know, that's going through something. Don't, don't just stuff it in, you know, at least talk to somebody, even if that's someone close, but there's nothing wrong with going and seeking help. There's nothing wrong with talking to a counselor or seeking professional help. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. So don't let that stigma. I feel like there's like, a negative stigma about if you talk to somebody yeah. who's a mental health counselor, it's like, oh, you go and see a shrink. It's like, you know, you can go there and talk about just everyday problems. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. I feel like going and seeing somebody just to talk about just everyday life stuff, like, it'll help you, you know? Absolutely. Help you get a better grasp on things and be like, just have it lifted from your shoulders. Like, oh, it feels so nice, like, just talking to somebody about this. Yeah, you know? I agree. Yeah, and... It's just, it's important. It's important to seek that help. And I, you know, there's, we're all, we all have, everyone has things that we're dealing with and and it doesn't take, you know, the suicide of someone in your family or death of someone in your family to mean that you don't need to seek help either, you know, so don't be afraid if you're listening and um, to go and, and, and seek that help if you need it. It's, it's important. Uh, Lisa, you know, I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, these two deaths in, in your family's life, you know, we've touched on it several times now, but big reason that you kind of pursued the life insurance world. And um, what are what are your advice to people that um, maybe you're listening, even if they're not in India? If they're in Indiana, they need to reach out to you. We'll get them connected. I'll make sure to share those links. How, how can they get connected there? And then also... Um, just in general, like people around the, around the country, around the world, around, uh, that maybe they don't have life insurance. What suggestions or advice would you give them? Get it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need it until, you know, you're dead. Yeah. But, you know, that's when you actually have to use it. Are um, there resources but... that you would suggest that people that aren't in Indiana that, that couldn't necessarily reach out to you, but are there other resources out there? Um, so I would definitely, you know, see what's in your area. Definitely, I would say go to an independent agent because they can kind of, like, shop around for you mm-hmm. um, versus somebody who's a captive. Like, they only work for one company. And so, you know, one size doesn't fit all. Yeah. So I would definitely suggest you going somewhere that has several different um, insurance carriers that they work with um, because, you know, people have different... Um, medical conditions, you know, sure. health issues that they have going on to where 
one carrier may say, yeah. no, you have this certain conditions, we won't take you. Whereas another carrier is like, heck, that's it. Come on board. You know, yeah. Yeah. so, you know, I would definitely suggest, you know, looking around, do you see, see what's available um, and ask people, you know, ask out on social media or something, you know, hey, who would you recommend? You know, because people say, oh, go here or don't go here. Of course, mm-hmm. social media, so take it with a grain of salt as well. Yeah. But, um, you know, reach out to other people, um, reach out to family members, um, ask family members if they have life insurance, because say, say your grandma has life insurance, but doesn't tell anybody, well, when she passes away, you know, who's going to know to contact her life insurance company to let them know that, hey, she's passed away, we need her insurance policy cashed out. So, I, you know, talk to your family members, you know, be aware if somebody has life insurance and if they don't encourage them to get it because, you know, funerals are so expensive and it's so much better on the family members who are left behind Mm -hmm. to know that, you know, that person had a life insurance policy. That way they're not stressing about the finances of, okay, we're dealing with the emotions of losing this person. Now we're having to deal with the stress of how do we pay for their funeral? Yeah. And how can people that live in Indiana, um, maybe in the Sullivan area, or or even just in Indiana in general, how can they get in touch with you and um, Pink Lion Financial and and, uh, talk to you more about life insurance? Yeah, we have a Facebook page, uh, Pink Lion Financial, and um, my personal phone number is on there. So um, I don't have a work phone and a personal phone because that's just cumbersome to carry around two phones. So... um, you know, my phone number's on there if you need to reach out to me or if you have any questions. Um, if you just want to say, you know, hey, you know, how did you deal with this aspect of suicide? Um, yeah. Because I'm more than happy to ask or to answer any questions that anybody has. You know, I'm going to be upfront and honest with people. Yeah. And, you know, and if I can help somebody who's going through the same thing, you know, I'm more than willing, more than happy to help somebody out. Awesome. And if you're listening and, and you want to get in contact with um, Elisa and you don't have Facebook or you don't have the ability to, to find her contact information, feel free to reach out to us here at Crazy Face Uno um, throughout whatever, crazyfaceuno.com. Um, you can email us at info at crazyfaceuno.com. Um, our phone number is on our website as well. Um, you know, you can find our, our contact information. Shoot us a DM on Instagram or tweet us or um, shoot us a mes- message on Facebook and, and we'll make sure you get that contact information and, and get connected with Elisa um, and Pink Lion Financial. Thank you so much, Elisa. I'm going to wrap things up. We're, we're reaching the end of our time. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Anything you want to say before we go? Um, yeah, actually there is. So we've been talking on the phone for probably about an hour and a half and there is roughly one death by suicide in the U S every 12 minutes. So that's roughly six people during this conversation that have committed suicide. Wow. And I just want to kind of bring awareness to suicide and like how many people are affected by it, how many people are impacted by, you know, the death of their loved ones by suicide. Yeah, and what was that statistic one more time? One person in the U.S. every 12 minutes. It's roughly 123 people in the U.S. every day by suicide. Wow, wow. 
Yes. Uh, thank you so much, Elisa. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. And, um, you know, it, there's hope. And, and if you're listening and, and you're struggling, you know, with whatever your mental health or you're struggling with the death in your family or the loss of someone or um, the loss by suicide, find some help. Talk to somebody. Um, know you're not alone. Know that, you know, your story, Elisa, is, is a story of, of triumph. You've, you've overcome and you guys have, have found a way to continue to keep going and to, to make the most of the life of your father and your, and your brother um, by living life to its fullest and, and raising your daughters to be the women that, that you want them to be and, and that um, they can be proud of, of you and, and of Kevin and of the life that you're living. So thank you so much and thanks for giving people hope in, in a, a bit of your story that allows them to see the other side of things and allows people to, to hear the story of uh, that you've gone through. I think it's important. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share my story with you. Absolutely. And thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you enjoyed the show today, visit us on Facebook and Instagram to like and comment on the post. Uh, if you want to go above and beyond, get the word out and share the Crazy Face Uno podcast with your friends and family or to random strangers on the street. Or welcome to everyone. And don't forget to check out Pink Lion Financial uh, and Elisa's Lisa Arnett's uh, Facebook page. Uh, you can check that out on Facebook and uh, like and share that information as well. Again, please visit crazyfaceuno.com to buy our merchandise and to donate. Your contributions help us share more stories like Elisa's and stories just like yours. We really appreciate you. We love you all. Thanks again for listening. Peace!